There is a library that exists at the nexus where all other universes collide. Inevitably, things wind up there by mistake. Books, artifacts, people. This is the place where things from all universes end up when they get lost. This is the Eternity Archives. Previously on the Eternity Archives. Yesterday, some teenagers went missing, and there's been no evidence of where they could be. They were last seen, like, in this car. That is kind of what she's been thinking of. Eventually, you get to the car. There aren't footsteps in, like, the dirt or anything like that. The car is, like, parked on the side of the road. So I think it might be worth it to just, like, walk around the forest a little bit. You see movement in the shadows. A thick, strong vine, like, wraps around Linda's shoulders. Oh no! And is, like, beginning to pull her back. She's clawing with her claws, but she's also, like, lifting the vines up to her face so that she can bite them. I think there's something in those woods that we're going to need to figure out, but I think for now we should probably go back and rest and strategize. Did you say the mayor's name was Jack? Yes. If you have the misfortune to cross his path, don't believe anything that man says. And how would one best gain access to this man's home? Linda looks over at Zen and like she's definitely formulating a plan that if the two of you go up to the manor and you're like, we're here, we're writing about the festival, tell the people at smalltownfestivals.blogspot.com more, then I think that they'll at least be able to get some stuff Welcome back to the Eternity Archives, where we play interdimensional archivists who try to keep the multiverse in order, and also some of us bully teenagers, but it's okay (laughs) because they're suspicious and this town's fucked up, to be quite frank. My name is Kite, my pronouns are they, them, and I play real day Drakel, tiefling baby, and also the anchor for this arc. My Mon Week question for this week is, which monster do you think would make the best spouse? You guys are way more creative with these, even though these are my questions, but I'm just going to be plain and boring, and I'm just going to say some kind of ghost. Because, you know, if you really love them, death can't do you apart. You just do each other. Forever. <laughs> I think that's romantic, but, you know, maybe this is me. <laughs> now, I mean, there's, like, lots of movies about that. You're not the only one. Like, ghost? What? Is that what that movie's about? <laughs> I think so. I'm Siva. My pronouns are she, her, and my character is Linda, the spooky human office lady. I'm going to do that each episode this arc, and y'all are going to get real sick of it. If I had to have a monster as a spouse, I think I would go with Slender Man. He's really, really <laughs> tall, so he can get stuff off of shelves. And because he's got so many arms, he's got to be great at hugging. And there's no problems with this plan. He has multiple arms? Yeah, he's got like lots of arms or tentacles. I don't know which one it is, but either way, um, they're probably good for hugs. I mean, so he's just an octopus. He's just a land octopus with legs. But spooky. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think <laughs> a land octopus in a suit. It's pretty spooky. Yeah. I mean, so one day I'm just going to replace your husband with, with a land octopus in a suit. Oh, please don't. Uh, You're not going to be able to tell the difference. 
So I'm Dorka. My pronouns are she, her. I play Zen, the monstrous lizard lady who is adjusting to having five fingers and no tail. If I had to have a monster spouse, I think, I don't know, I might go with a mermaid. Okay. Then I could live at the beach or on an island somewhere nice, go swimming every day. Oh, that'd be pretty nice. sick. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cute. But like the nice mermaid kind and not the kind that like leers you onto the rocks to kill and eat you. Oh, so not the mermaid where it's like the upper half is a fish, but then the bottom half is human legs. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> well, no, but that's the one you can have sex with. You can't have sex with the other kind of mermaids. Not with that attitude, you can't. Okay, well, we're moving on. Last <laughs> time we learned a bit more about sweetgrass as Linda and Zen tried to figure out what was going on. They learned that some teenagers disappeared out of nowhere after a raucous summer party, and Zen got a bit raucous herself. Wink wonk. (laughs) (laughs) They decided to explore the scene of the crime and found out that the forest in this town is whack. Weed whacked because it came alive and tried to kill anyway they narrowly managed to escape and went back to the boo you (laughs) went back to the midnight velvet to get some rest uh and real watch them i guess i'd actually actually kind of wondering for like real how's time passing like did seven hours pass for them or whatever or is it just like you know for the D &D session you guys stopped and camped for the night and i just didn't think about it I, I'm going to assume it's like The Sims, and when we go to sleep, it like hyper fast forwards. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think um, Real might uh, let time pass by normally, and they would go to the kitchen to bake things for you, so you have baked goods waiting for you uh, when you come Aww. back home. <laughs> Nothing happens while you guys sleep. You guys wake up when it's morning, I assume, unless you, neither of you really sleep in, right? No, I think Linda's uh, obnoxiously kind of a morning person. Like, she probably has a mug that's like, don't talk to me before I've had my coffee. But, uh, <laughs> but she's actually kind of a morning person. So, so yeah, I think she gets up at a reasonable hour. Zen is up when the sun's up. Okay. Yeah, Linda's going to change into her reporter clothes before, like, going downstairs and maybe getting a bite to eat. Uh, Linda, kind of as you change clothes, you do notice there is a plant, like a little flower with like the stem cut off, tucked away and like I was thinking like the pants like maybe it's folded up a bit. It's kinda like got stuck in that fold. Oh. I think I would like very nervously pluck it out and kinda like throw it on the floor like I picked up a snake. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I think that's kinda how Linda's feeling about plants right now. Yeah. Nothing happens. It just lays there. And then Zen, I guess when you go downstairs, you see some new bartenders slash waiters, waitresses, cleaning the place up and stuff like that, serving what very few customers there are, and um, you don't see Miriam. You can assume that once the sun was up, Miriam's probably asleep somewhere. Linda's going to come downstairs too, and now that she's slept off her plant fear, she has a very strong craving for a ham and cheese omelet, and by God, she's going to eat a ham and cheese omelet, so (laughs) hopefully they have them here. Oh yeah, totally. Kind of Miriam gave the uh, memo to all her employees that you guys are her guests to treat you with whatever you want. I think she might have even made a small note that the little one likes margaritas, so are there breakfast margaritas? I guess maybe they give you like a mimosa. They're Bloody Marys. Oh yeah. Yeah, Bloody Mary is the closest thing to a breakfast margarita. Or a mimosa, which is a margarita in the sense that it's always fun to drink. Yeah, so so they'll get you um, an omelet and some water and a cravat of mimosas. Perfect. Is that what it's called, cravat? That's like a necktie. Oh, what am I thinking? It's like the big jug. 
carafe. Carafe, thank you, yes. Um, yeah, so they bring you a big carafe of mimosa. That's, like, exactly what she needs this morning. Yeah, and, like, the fancy, like, thin glasses. Classy establishment. Yeah. Do you mention your theory to Zen? Yes. Zen, before we do that, are you having any breakfast? I'm probably gonna have whatever you're having. Okay, so a ham and cheese omelet and some mimosas for you too. Yeah, the morning waiter is like weirdly cheery. Like he's just such a happy guy. He's just like, hello ladies, here's two ham and cheese omelets. I drew a little smiley face on there with ketchup and uh, a little adult orange juice. I'm sorry, people who put ketchup on eggs are not human. What? (laughs) Is that Zen or is that Dorka? That is Dorka speaking. What? Ketchup is good on egg. It's not, I don't usually put ketchup on an omelet, but if a waiter drew a smiley face with ketchup on my omelet, I would not complain. Well, Zen will eat anything, but... But let it be known. Yeah, I just I just want to make that clear, that you can't put ketchup on eggs. Yes, you can, and it's delicious. <laughs> um, Depends on the eggs, is my official stance. Well, this is, like, exactly what Linda needed to perk her up this morning. She feels like she's being wined and dined. The waiter's really sweet, and she is so appreciative for the little smiley face and ketchup on the omelet. She gets up and gives him a hug, again, like, slowly, just in case he's like, oh, no, I don't hug people. And she, again pulls her couple of dollars out <laughs> gives him the wink and gives him the tip because she's not supposed to but she wants to yeah so he does like a little half bow for your tip and it's just like thank you so much if you need anything else i am gonna be right over there and i'll check up on you in just a few minutes don't be afraid don't hesitate to ask for anything and he does a little twirl to flourish with like the tray in his hand and he like walks off. And uh, Linda doesn't even care if this is some kind of secret sinister agenda. She feels so much more back to normal after almost being eaten by vines. That, like <laughs> this is exactly what she wants. Do you guys just like talk over breakfast? Yeah. Yeah. We'll probably just confirm our strategy and discuss our theories and go on with our day. Yeah, I tell Zen my, like, midnight theory that I think that there's something up with that tree and that uh, those kids were fed to it to fix it or whatever. And Zen would agree that everything she's seen and heard so far supports that idea. It might not literally be that, but there's something not right about this tree and these kids. And maybe that party was like a ritual sacrifice or maybe those vines are just really mean. I'm not, I'm not sold yet. What's Hank Hill say about Bobby sometimes? He just ain't right. Yeah, he just that, that kid ain't right. <laughs> yeah. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> don't don't at me if I got King of the Hill wrong. Uh, I have to get divorced if I have to publicly admit that I got King of the Hill wrong. So that tree ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Oh, you know what? There's probably like a hint of peach in this mimosa too. I just want to say that. Well, that sounds delicious. That does sound delicious. I think even though peach trees are now making Linda a little icky, she does love a little peach orange action. I would drink that IRL. Me too. Okay, yeah. So what do you guys do next after breakfast and discussing your plans? I think we get our best reporter outfits on and we hoof it up to the mayor's mansion. Yeah. As you leave, you kind of hear two of the waiters at the behind the counter. They're kind of talking amongst themselves just kind of like trying not to be loud or like noticeable about it but it's kind of a serious discussion zen is focused i don't think she's listening okay i think linda would be curious there's just like bigger fish to fry if linda kind of keeps her ears open she would hear them talking about tyler and freya and it's kind of like um you hear those names and just like lots of question mark tones just like you get a vague sense they're 
talking about those two. In what context, you don't really know unless you listen. So once you exit the bar, this town is completely different than what it was last night when you came back. Like, the streets are packed. There's giant peach balloons, like, floating around. There's, like, flower-covered archways. All the stalls are bustling. There's, like, little carnival-type games. Everyone in this town, and then some, are downtown right now. And I'd say, like, you probably recognize these flowers. Yeah, I'd say you definitely recognize them from last night. Oh no. They're not the only flowers, but like, there's definitely a lot of these flowers. Uh oh. Linda's immediately creeped out. It's officially gotten a little too Wicker Man for her. <laughs> Linda probably saw Wicker Man, and he goes to the island during like the summer festival. And it's not anything like this, but there is a summer festival, and it's weird. <laughs> and so that's her frame of reference, and she's not into it. I mean, this one's not. It's just a very bustling farmer's market, essentially. It, there's no weird, creepy over uh, over or undertones for this. Well, except for what you guys know. But everyone else just seems like normal, happy people. Do you guys, like, mingle around at the festival at all? Or do you try to listen to gossip or anything? Or do you just, like, hoof it straight to the mayor's house? I want to hoof it straight there, because I think there's some stuff that needs to be uncovered. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. Also, like, I feel like we're more likely to catch the mayor if we're there earlier. What time do you guys think it is? Nine sounds right. Yeah, probably like nine. Okay, um, so it's probably not like as bustling as I was saying. Have you ever seen those farmers market people? Those people get up at like seven a.m. so they can grab oh, yeah. the Brussels sprouts or whatever. You know what? That's true. It is bustling. You're right. The Brussels sprouts are also out. I'm sorry, but there are bananas for ten dollars. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. There's uh, you hear people addressing the banana stand lady, and her name is Elena. What the what? Who <laughs> <laughs> I like that uh, Elena's an interdimensional being. Yeah. She's she's everywhere and she's nowhere. And this time she has chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. <laughs> and they're fucking great. Yeah, this banana stand does not sell just bananas. It's like banana snacks. There's chocolate covered, like, iced bananas. Frozen bananas? Frozen bananas, yeah. Iced bananas. <laughs> <laughs> There's chocolate chip cookies with banana flavoring yeah she's got everything i'm disgusted me as kite because bananas are disgusting i love bananas in things ironically so that sounds delicious i hate all banana types i just don't like naked bananas but you'll eat the banana with the skin on (laughs) (laughs) no i don't i don't like uh i don't like original flavor bananas (laughs) all right so uh since it's like early morning you guys could probably get like an uber or like a lyft or whatever uh, is available at small towns in this day and age probably an uber and luckily linda actually knows how to use that so um so you have to summon a vehicle for zen who is probably like how the fuck did you do that yeah what is zen's reaction to getting into a car i mean she curled around in one last night that's fair but I, she trusts linda yeah, I think Real would try to explain cars to Zen, just be like, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of like, okay, so you got like a horse and it like pulls a carriage, right? A car is if the carriage fused with the horse and the carriage had legs. Zen just <laughs> nods and says, so it's magic. Eh, yeah, I mean, basically. Good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm glad we've got that settled. <laughs> But yeah, eventually you guys make it up to the mayor's house. The Uber drives off. Linda leaves him five stars. (laughs) And as you guys get to the house, it is, as I mentioned before, 
fucking huge. There's like a big, like the circle driveway entrance of like big fancy houses. There's like a statue of a guy standing there with like a shovel or some shit. (laughs) There's a plaque on it that's like, this is James Whittaker, the founder of Sweetgrass. And so this is probably like a two-story home, but it's also just like wide. You can kind of see like around the sides is like that very large backyard that Freya had mentioned. So what do you guys do now? Uh, I think Linda's just going to go up to the door and like ring the doorbell or knock and see what happens. She's got her cover story ready. I feel like in the Uber ride over, she gave Zen a really quick how to fake using a camera tutorial. And so now Zen is just pointing that camera at everything and like pressing the button. Which is adorable and not convincing (laughs) beyond like the very initial sniff test (laughs) um in linda's mind anyway yeah totally um so you guys uh you know knock and ring on the doorbell and it it takes a few moments but eventually you hear kind of like footsteps on the other side of the door but kind of like surprisingly it sounds like uh, a young woman's voice you hear her call out, it's like, yeah, 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 I, yeah, I got it, don't worry about it. And then the door opens, and behind it is a young woman, probably about teenage age, with blonde hair, light skin, and blue eyes. She kind of just looks at you guys like, uh, can I help you? Linda recognizes her from her vision, right? Or her telepathy. Yes. Okay. So this is actually like an even better outcome than the mayor opening the door. So Linda's pumped as long as they can find their way inside. So I think she's going to immediately start with her pitch. Okay. Hi, I'm Linda Baumgartner. Uh, I am the lead journalist over at smalltownfestivals.blogspot.com. And I'm really hoping that uh, we could interview you or someone in your family about this wonderful festival you have going on here. We've been wandering around town the last couple days, just, you know, getting our bearings, seeing the sights, eating the peach pie, which is wonderful, by the way. Uh, And we'd love to have some hands-on time with the family responsible for uh, this beautiful bounty. And we'd love to see the tree if you have a little bit of time or uh, just chat about what what brought this wonderful festival about. Leela, as you know, this is Leela, squints at you kind of like suspiciously a little bit because she's not entirely sure of your intentions. I think you should actually roll... If I do my telepathy, I can manipulate someone without speaking. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. It's under charm, so I have a I have a little bit of a buff here. So I rolled a six plus two is an eight. Okay. So on a seven to nine, they'll do it, but only if you do something for them right now to show that you mean it. If you ask too much, they'll tell you what, if anything, it would take for them to do it. So what is it specifically? You want to come in and tour the house? Is that like what you guys wanted to do? Uh, I mean, really, I want to see the tree, but like I can chat idly about like town history and the family and stuff. Okay. Well, because we know that the tree is important to the town. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So specifically, what is the guys you're asking this under? I mean, the guys that we want to do the article about the festival. Okay. So... And that includes town history. Yeah, and that includes the town history. Okay. So, I mean, one of the things we can do, well, to prove that we're serious, is that obviously Zen is taking pictures. I guess we could just offer, like, you know, you don't have to let us in the house. We can just we can just go take some pictures under the tree for our blog, and that, that could be an option if you don't, you know, like, everyone has their own comfort level. You don't have to let us in the house. Well, because you're doing this through, like, telepathy, right? 
Yeah, that's true. So she doesn't actually, like, we didn't make the offer with our words. That's true. Okay. She's kind of, like, running this over in her head. She's kind of looking between the two of you and just, like, trying to really read who you are. Because she doesn't necessarily believe you. So she would kind of look at you and just be like, you guys are staying with Miriam, right? Uh, yes. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to decide what to do. But yeah, I mean, we are. And she would just kind of nod and be like, and do you know what's going on? I'm going to be honest. I don't believe that you guys are bloggers. Well, she's a blogger. I am the one taking the pictures with the camera. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are bloggers, but... We don't just talk about the pretty and the shiny. It's also important to talk about the realism of the town. We'd love to know more about, you know, what day-to-day life is like and what's going on around here. And I admit I do like a piece of gossip now and then. But don't worry, we'll, we'll send you the article. You can read the article, take out anything you don't like. But you do know what's going on around here, right? With the kids, we've we've heard a couple people with some local gossip. And she kind of like looks like she's thinking about it, like calculating some stuff in her head. And she's just like, look, I know there's something different about Miriam and all the people there. And I know that I've never seen you guys around here before. So you're definitely new in town. And it's definitely weird that you as random journalists would be staying with Miriam. So I think I'll help you. As much as I can, but you have to promise me that you're going to try to find Betsy and Mark. Well, we're not crime reporters, but we'll do our best. We would love to help those kids. <laughs> she like just doesn't believe you, but she kind of like nods like, yeah, okay, <laughs> if, if that's like how you want to play it, right? Sure. Like Arrested Development Wing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she is just like... Yeah, okay, so what? what is it that you need me to help you with? Uh, technically, I'm grounded. We weren't... Um, never mind, you don't need to know about that. But I, I'll try to help you as much as I can. But like I said, I'm grounded and my dad's pissed. Uh, so I can't really push it that much. But I would definitely try to help you with your blog or whatever. We want to see the tree. We really want that glamour shot of the tree. And then we can talk a little bit just as a favor. We don't have to have that on the record. Yeah, that's fine. Usually my dad wants to be the one who shows people the tree, but he's not here right now anyway. He headed into town early on to get ready for the festival and stuff. I can show you the tree. She invites you in and it is like a big grand looking house on the inside, like looks as kind of like distinguished and old fashioned and as it does on the outside, but like Definitely there's some, like, modern updates to it. So she, like, takes you through, like, the living area. Like, or I guess it'd be, like, a, that. Is it foyer or foyer? Because I've heard it both ways. <laughs> oh, I have always said foyer. Foyer is the normal way to say it. I've heard fancy people say foyer. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, she takes you guys through the foyer and, like, through the living area and stuff like that. And then she just takes you to the back door, uh, which is just, like, kind of like those doors with the windows on them. Oh, like French doors? I'm going to say yes, but I don't know. And then it leads out to like a small back porch and then almost like a small park-sized backyard. And kind of in the center of the yard is a peach tree. And it's like surrounded by like a cute little fence. 
And it's even got a plaque on it in front of it. And it's definitely like bigger than a normal peach tree. Uh, fun fact, peach trees live like 20-ish years and then they just stop making fruit. And you know what? She'll tell you this, that like this tree is super special. I'm sure you've heard of it because it, it's like our tree. And the reason it's so special is peach trees usually die or rather they stop producing as much fruit. And this tree has been around for like since the town's founding and every year it has a harvest. So it's kind of an important tree for our town. Linda's like furiously scribbling this all down in a notebook and sort of like elbows Zen to go and take some pictures of the tree. So Zen will go and take some pictures of the tree. Well, I think maybe like I'll take some pictures of the tree and while Linda and Leela are talking, um, Zen will try to just like slip off. Okay, for that, I'm going to have to do an act under pressure then. Okay, I rolled a five, uh, a four. Okay. So that's not going to work. Uh, she definitely sees you slipping off, and she's like, um, you can't really go into the house without someone (laughs) walking you through it. Like, you know, sometimes my dad has tours, but like I said, he's not here right now, and I am grounded, so I I gotta keep an eye on you guys or else, um, or else I'm gonna get in big trouble. I have a separate plan. Okay. I would like to try and tune in to the tree, because I think there's something up with the tree specifically. Okay, yeah, totally. I think it's like a fucked up magic tree. So this is my plus weird, so it's plus two. I swear to God, if I roll only a mediocre roll one more time, I'm gonna just lay down on the ground. <laughs> Me personally, Ziva, I'm gonna get out of this chair and lay down on the ground. <laughs> I rolled a nine! Nice. Plus two. Oh, fuck yeah. Okay, so you get a whole three. Alright. Okay, so I'm just gonna read this so uh, the listeners know what Tunin does. Linda can attune her mind to a monster or minion, and she can spend the holds, she has three of those, to ask me from the list of questions that are provided. And also, she gets plus one ongoing while acting on the answers. And what that means is as long as these answers to the question pertain to the current situation, she gets plus one to any of her rolls. And so that's the important part there. What I'd like to do is start with who is it going to attack next? Ooh, okay. Explain how this is happening. Like, you're talking to Leela, and then you tune into this tree. How does that look on the outside? I think that Linda is probably going to be like... I think she's going to try and keep it as subtle as she can. Like, I think she's going to ask Leela some, like, long, boring question. Like, oh, like, what's... Who planted this tree? Where, did it? Is it from around here? And then, like, let kind of Leela talk while she sort of, like tunes out of listening to her and tunes into the tree which is probably a whack experience because i don't think trees think like humans do i'm imagining it's more like a hive mind of like cells and vines so it's probably a really difficult to focus on both so i think she's gonna do her best to keep leela talking and try to kind of get in and out because her eyes are starting to like glaze over a little bit because it's just like an incredibly intense amount or incredibly intense presentation of information okay so when you tune in tree, like like you said, it's not like a conscious train of thought. You kind of like dive into this tree and it's almost like you kind of get like submerged in color and feeling and emotions, which as you imagine, like it's a tree, trees are living, but it's not like they feel things. It's not like they can comprehend things necessarily. So already off the bat, you know, this is kind of like... You latched on something. You, this is kind of a big break for you. So as for what is it, who is it going to attack next? That's what you asked? Yes. So as soon as you like dive in this tree, it starts off maybe kind of like comforting, that blanket feeling you get. And then as you kind of like dive in to sort of explore this tree's 
consciousness, I suppose, when you get deeper, it almost kind of reminds you about when you walked through the woods last night, about how the trees started covering the skyline, about how vines were like coming after you. And then kind of when you get to the, maybe the heart of the consciousness of this tree, it's like all of a sudden blaring alarms in your mind. It's like the tree is screaming in pain, in anger. You can't really tell. And it kind of communicates to you in emotions, in those two emotions. Those are like the main ones, but there's like a lot of more subtle ones like grief and sadness, regret. But the main ones are definitely like anger and maybe almost a a thirst. And it's like almost like two parts of this tree are like bashing against each other. So as for who is it going to attack next, it actually doesn't know. When you try to probe that part of the tree's consciousness, it's just like confused. Like you get maybe like flashes of blurry faces, kind of like at the party when you read Freya's mind, but it's not like there's a concrete answer to that because the tree doesn't even know itself yet. So then my next question is, who does it regard as the biggest threat? Or I guess maybe what? Who is not necessarily... Yeah, totally. So this is kind of a layered response that you're getting. The first overwhelming response is itself. All this emotion stuff, it's kind of like two people are yelling inside your head. They're not saying words, but you like feel everything that they feel. And so overwhelmingly, the tree regards itself as the greatest threat. However, you kind of get the distinct impression underneath that. And there's there's two people it brings up specifically, but it's like images. One is an image of a face of a young girl who matches the photo of Betsy Plume's ID. And then the other image you get is an older gentleman, very like standard handsome white man with like blonde hair and uh, light skinned blue eyes. Okay, so then the last one I want to ask is how can I attract its attention? Uh, you already have. Oh! (laughs) Cool. So I guess then that's it, and I just kind of jump back out. It's almost kind of like startling, because it's like this loud emotions that were bouncing around in your head, like you were submerged into like a concert hall or something like that. Now kind of as you pull out that stark loudness kind of like drifts off and you pull back into like this quiet peaceful like backyard and Leela's rambling about boring family and town history <laughs> as, as if she's just like it's like she's memorized this because she had to and it's like so droll like she's just like not interested in this <laughs> at all so I think at this point I would probably I'd let her finish talking but I'd be like thank you so much for bringing us back here this will really help my article our article of course uh, Zen's doing all the all the hard work over there with the photos but I wanted to ask you since we promised we're gonna find your friends what happened at that party there was something there's something going on I don't think this was just a normal high school party and she kind of like hesitates as she looks at you she's just like I mean, it was just the party I was having for all the high schoolers and stuff, and it's just a way for us to hang out. And, you know, some some people kind of goofed around, and they were a little drunk, and pretended to cast some kind of magic or whatever on the tree, and obviously, you know, that stuff's not real. Uh, nothing happened. It, it's just like, you know, some people joke around, the tree brings us good luck, and, you know, some girls or boys, you know, they want a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever, and so they'll like pray to the tree for good luck 
you know, that stuff happens, and it's but people have been doing that for as long as the town's been around. There's nothing, nothing happened at that party. I think I want to use my telepathy again. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I want to investigate a mystery because I think that the ritual they did was more serious than she's letting on, and I want to know for myself. Sure. I rolled an eight minus one. Oh no, a seven. Okay, uh, so you get one question. What happened here? Yeah, so you delve into her mind, and it's kind of the same thing from before, but it's like flipped. Instead of from Freya's perspective, it's from Leela's perspective. It starts off with that same moment where Leela very like gently laced her fingers with Freya's and reassured her that it was going to be okay and that no one was going to find out. When you were in Freya's mind, it was kind of like she was scared and didn't entirely understand what was going on. Whereas in Leela's mind, there's kind of like a staunch sense of like justice. Like this is something she needs to do. And so you see a little bit further, it's kind of like the same thing, like the blurry faces, kind of like wavy edges of your vision and stuff like that. And Freya gives her her phone uh, very like hesitant, hesitantly, reluctantly. And on the phone, there's like a picture of a page in like an old book. And Leela takes the phone and says, It'll be okay. I'll delete the picture as soon as we're done. You won't get in trouble. Miriam's not going to find out. My dad's not going to find out. We're going to make sure no one gets hurt. And then kind of like, as soon as she says hurt, you kind of like snap back into the present with Leela there. Who is just kind of like looking at you like very guarded. I'll, I'll say like, because she's not as attuned to the supernatural as like Freya is, she isn't super aware that you've like, you're like probing her mind. Okay. I think I'm just going to straight out come out and ask her. Mm-hmm. Did you cast some kind of ritual at the party on this tree? I mean, I mean, like I said, like people do stupid rituals, but it's like for fun. Like it's not real. Like nothing happens. They've, they've been doing it as long as this tree's been around. But what you did was more than just asking for good luck, wasn't it? I don't know. I don't know what you mean. What kind of ritual did you do from that book? What book? What are you What are you talking about? The pages in the picture. Uh, I'm gonna ask you to do a manipulate someone for me, because right now she's she's very guarded about this. Yeah, she probably is. Okay, I rolled a five plus two, so I rolled a seven. Okay, another seven. How did you know about the book? How did you know about the pictures? Did Who are you people? Miriam told us that a little something was up and we just have done a little poking around. That's all. Don't don't worry. Freya didn't rat no, you out. That's bullshit. I know Freya didn't rat me out. She would never do anything like that. You guys are more than what you're telling me and I want to know who you people are. You're, you're definitely not some bloggers, are you? Zen takes a picture. <laughs> <laughs> so... In this case, she will tell you what you want to know if you tell her who you are. Because that's like what she wants from you guys right now. I think, Dorka, if this makes sense to you, I want to tell her like the partial truth. Like I want to tell her maybe we're like private detectives or, or with the government or something like that. That makes sense. Yeah, I don't really want to tell her we're from the library because I think A, probably like something bad will happen if we do that. And B, because I think she won't believe us. That's even more bullshitty. I will say right now she is skeptical. Like, if you guys are just, like, normal government employees, she's still not going to want to tell you about this, like, magic stuff. You kind of, like, get that sense from her. Like, you know that she knows about magic, even if she herself is not magic. Regardless of what Linda does, I think Zen will, like, take off her hat for a second and, like, wink at the girl. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And then put the hat back on. What does Linda say specifically, then, as Zen does this? 
Linda like looks around conspiratorially, like there better be nobody listening. And she leans in and she says, all right, fine. You caught us. We are not journalists. We are cryptid hunters. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but there have been cases all up and down the coast where we have seen this exact pattern. And we think something is taking these kids and we need to find out what it is. And I know we're a little strange. There's something about us that's not normal, but you don't get into this line of work if you're normal. Normal people don't try to marry Bigfoot. Normal people don't own a bunch of t-shirts with the Loch Ness Monster in them. Normal people don't even know what a Fresno Nightcrawler is. But we do. Because we are trying to get to the bottom of all this weird stuff. And if you can tell us what happened here, we may be able to find whatever it was that took your friends. And we may even be able to get them back. She's kind of processing this right now. Like, this is a a little bit more than she had expected. She figured maybe you were just people hired or something and kind of knows about the supernatural. But between your explanation and also Zen's, like, appearance, the gears in her head are turning. She kind of seems hung up on the phrase cryptid hunter. She's just like, what do you mean you hunt them? Are you gonna, are you gonna hurt the kids? Miriam's kid? Are you gonna hurt Freya? No, 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 no. No, not at all. We're not looking for Mr. Bigfoot in the woods on his own. We're not looking for Miriam's kids. We're looking for the ones who give nice folks like them a bad name. The ones who hurt people. Ah, okay. She, like, believes you, but she's also just, like, maybe a little shocked that, like, this is, oh, I guess this is real. This is true. And she kind of, like, sighs and is like, all right. I'll, I'll tell you, uh, as long as Freya doesn't get in trouble, as long as you find Mark and Betsy. Of course, we can promise you that. And she nods, and she's just like, I know our family is kind of weird. I know Miriam and all the people she takes in, they're kind of weird, and she like makes that with like quote fingers. I know this isn't a normal town, I know my family's not normal, but maybe I wanted to believe it for the longest time, and I just, I can't anymore, because the other day, a week ago or something, my dad was in his study, and he was talking to someone on the phone, maybe? I, I couldn't tell. But through the door, I heard him talking to them, and he said he was going to take Mark and he was going to pin it on Betsy for the good of the town, for the good of our family. And I just, I didn't know what that meant, but it just, it wasn't something good. And so I asked Freya to help me with this. Please don't, she can't get in trouble for this. It was all my, it was all my fault if anyone asked. I pushed her to this. I asked her to go into Miriam's study and to, and to look through the books and try to find some kind of like spell or magic or something to maybe protect Betsy and Mark. I thought it, I, I thought it didn't work. And she kind of like, her shoulders kind of slump. She's just like, looks very dejected. She's like, I, I don't know. I don't think my dad has them because he's, he seemed really, really pissed about it. The most mad I'd ever seen him in my life. And that's why he can't know anything about Miriam or, or Freya, because he's already got a thing against Miriam and, and the Salt Rim, and he's always trying to find a reason to, to get rid of them, and I can't get them dragged into this. Don't worry. We won't tell anyone. I really appreciate your honesty. This has made a huge difference, and I think we can find your friends. We will do everything in our power to find them. 
if there's anything else I can do, please just, I can give you my number. Just text me or, or call me if you, if you need anything, and I'll, I'll try to do what I can. Me, both me and my brother will do what we can to, to help you. Zen, is there anything else that you want to ask while, while we're here? No, I think you covered it pretty well. Okay, then I think probably we should leave this poor girl alone and maybe see if we can talk to Freya or figure out which ritual they cast. While Linda would have been doing all of her mind-reading stuff, Zen would have kind of just been, like, looking around as far as... as far as Leela would, like, let her go unsupervised, which admittedly is not very far. Yeah, probably, like, the backyard. Like, you're not allowed to get into the house by yourself. Yeah. But I do want to trust my gut to see if maybe there is something in the house that is important for me to see. Okay. Well, I need to pull out my dice. Just lie. Just be like, oh, yeah, I rolled, like, a 15. What? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, I also need to pull out my dice. I'm just sitting here with my dice in a box. Like, I'm great at RPGs. (laughs) I think you're great at RPGs. Thank you. So go ahead and roll uh, a weird. Oh, boy. I got a 12 plus 3. (laughs) Holy shit. I was... Just kidding about that. You didn't have to actually lie to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the keeper tell you where you should go, wherever that is, it will be important. You get plus one ongoing on the way to this place. So you're trying to find, like, something important in the house? Yeah, I'm trying to see if, like, if my gut is telling me that there's more in the house that we need to see, or if it's leading me elsewhere. I mean, yeah, so she, like, mentioned that she overheard her dad talking to someone or something in the office so kind of your initial instinct there like this is a a big house there is definitely that drive that pushes you towards the office but kind of like in the back of your head there's kind of like a smaller voice that's like well maybe there's also some clues in in the yard but you're not sure if that's like that's not going to be as strong of a push as the office mostly because uh, it's been a couple days since the party and she did mention she and presumably her brother were grounded so he probably made them like clean the yard and stuff are there people in the house besides the family no there might be like maids and stuff that come in but they don't live on the premises Zen is gonna try and signal to Linda to like keep Leela busy, keep her distracted, mm-hmm. so that Zen can try and sneak off without being noticed. So you did try to do that earlier, and she was like, "Nah, <laughs> you can't get in there." But because you did use your trust, your gut, and you did roll very well, give me another under pressure. But you did get you do get a plus one to that. Could Linda help me out by distracting her? Uh, yeah, sure. Do you want me to roll a help out or a manipulate someone? Yeah, I think it'd be a help out. Okay. I rolled terribly. I got a five, but I have a minus one to act under pressure. And then I get my plus one. So really, I just got a five. (laughs) I got a nine. So what happens is Zen and Linda are like exchanging this look, right? And Zen's like trying to sneak off. But Leela is definitely still keeping an eye on you. And she's just like, seriously, you can't go into the house. If you're going to be like weird and sneaky about it, I'm going to need you to like stand right next to me. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to she's gonna make you hold her hand until she's sure you're not going to just run off. Yeah, seriously. Unfortunately, you are not able to get into the house because you're you're not a very sneaky lizard. <sighs> I'm really not. <laughs> you are big buff lizard with a big trench coat and big news camera. 
Well, can I at least look around the yard? <sighs> yeah, yeah. As as long as you're not like sneaking around, that that's fine. Just seriously, please don't go into the house. My dad will kill me, and then I can't do anything to help you guys. Oh, is he here? He's downtown, but like he's just weird and anal about that kind of stuff. I don't know. Who knows? He might even have secret cameras or something. Okay, so I'll just look around the yard then. I guess I will too, because I'm pretty much done talking to Layla at this point. I don't want to just like hover over her and be like, so... Yeah, she's, she's probably just going to observe you guys and just make sure you're not going to cause any trouble. Fair. Go ahead and roll investigate a mystery. One of you roll investigate a mystery and the other can roll a help out. I'm going to roll the help out since I don't have any minuses to cool. Okay. Okay, that would be appreciated. I will investigate a mystery. Okay, that one I rolled a 10. I rolled a 7, so not a ton of help. So your help still gets some plus one, uh, but you also expose yourself to trouble or danger. Honestly, there's not really much trouble or danger here, because you're just in her backyard and she's like watching you. I step in an ant hill, and I'm like, ah! Oh no, now there's ants all over you. Take for harm? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> They're really mean ants. So you get a you get a hold too. So you get to ask two questions from the investigative mystery list on the Facebook moves list, or you can do it from the Tome of Mysteries investigative mystery questions if you prefer. All right, well, we know some of these already. I'm gonna ask what can hurt it. So I guess I'll I'll like go up to the tree and basically put my hands on it, try to like feel it out. See if this is like a normal tree that can be hurt by normal things like fire, for example, or if it feels like that would not be a avenue to pursue. Yeah, I'll say, you know, like Zen isn't necessarily magical, but she's been around magic, so she can kind of tell right if there's like a sense for it or something. Yes, it is a magical tree, but it's not like there's a barrier on it or anything. Like, you're pretty sure if you just used fire, it would burn the tree down. Okay. And I'm not really sure. Linda, what do you think we need to know here? Um, hmm. You know what? I do have a question. Does it feel malicious to me or does it feel like it's just sort of trying to defend itself? That's a good question. Does it feel malicious? I'm not sure if that's something, like, you can sense. Like, you can sense maybe if there's, like, a barrier of magic around it or something, but that's more of, like, an empathic thing. Yeah, that makes sense. I can't tell its intentions. Right, yeah. I mean, I do know when we asked it who it was planning to attack next, it was like, I don't really know, which felt to me like it was more just trying to defend itself. That might not be the right instinct, but... I didn't feel like it was like, I'm going to eat this whole town. Yeah, so what do you guys do next? Well, I really want to get inside, but Lulu's not going to let us. Yeah. She's no fun. I will say in one of the windows upstairs, you do see like a young man looking at you. Like kind of around Lila's age. Uh, same thing, like blonde hair, blue eyes, light skin. He doesn't necessarily look like mean or angry at you, but he definitely looks like suspicious of you guys. He would kind of walk off from the window. Hmm. I'm trying to decide if it's worth doing anything else here since we can't get in the house, or if we just want to go and maybe see if we can track down what Freya's spell actually did. Right, because uh, we know that Miriam has like the spell book. Yeah, because it's like, was it like a protection spell or was it like, let this tree give us good luck in exchange for something like what was the intent because that can tell us whether we need to go after like the mayor like is he like 
cult feeding people to a tree or if we need to go after the tree because the tree's like eating people exactly oh i should mark another experience because i failed that one check I'm just gonna try and sneak around until I level up. No! (laughs) Layla's just gonna put you on, like, a kindergarten leash. (laughs) I'm, like, twice her size. She can try. (laughs) I'm gonna go walk a lizard. She needs one of those, the preschool road crossing sticks. It's got, like, the colorful shapes on it that the kids hold, so they don't just, like, run off into traffic. (laughs) I call it orange triangle. Is there anything you guys want to do at this house? No, I think we should move on. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess you guys kind of tell Leela that you've explored everything you can in this yard. And so she starts like escorting you back up to the front of the house where the door is. But when you get inside, you do catch a glimpse of the young man again. And he glances towards Leela and then back towards you guys. And he's just like, uh, who are you people? I'm gonna sort of nudge Leela and be like, what's his deal? Oh, uh, that's that's my brother. Jackson, don't worry about it. They're, they know. They're in on it. They're trying to help us. And kind of at that reassurance, he uh, loses some tension in his shoulders, but he's still, like, suspicious of you because he's never seen you before. That's fair. Linda's gonna um, smile and wave at him just, like, really big as she walks past. Not to get anything, just because she's friendly. <laughs> um, he does not wave back. <laughs> well, that's just, that's just vaguely inconsiderate. Linda's not sure how she feels about him. Leela, do you think he knows anything that you don't? Maybe? She kind of glances toward Jackson, and she's just like, Hey, did Dad ever tell you anything about what I overheard in the office? And he thinks about it for a moment, and he's just like, Not anything you haven't- that you don't already know, too. It's, you know, the same old speech he's given to us ever since we were kids about how this is our family's town our responsibility our birthright whatever and he kind of like rolls his eyes at that as he speaks you know whatever he did maybe he did it under some false sense of protection i don't know i don't know what dad is doing do you think that there's like i don't know should i should i do some mind poking go for it Okay, so I'm going to use telepathy to investigate a mystery again. I'm just going to... These poor kids. Stop, stop <laughs> probing their minds. I'm just peeking. I'm not I'm not incepting them. It's like putting a parental lock on someone's brain. <laughs> I know. And be like, I can see that you've accessed uh, Snapchat for 12 hours. <laughs> so I am going to roll investigate a mystery, but telepathically. Um, so that is sharp. All right, dice, don't fail me now. I rolled a five minus one. You go ahead and mark that failure. Oh, yeah. You're kind of tired from tuning into the tree. That was just like very emotionally exhausting, I think, because the, the tree was like a sea of like tumultuous waves of emotion that were just like pushing you around and your powers probably aren't as sharp, huh? <laughs> as they could be right now. So you weren't able to kind of break that sort of mental barrier everyone kind of has. But it's not like his is anything special. It's just you're tired and you weren't able to read his mind. Do you guys do anything else or? I think if they really wanted to help us, if they had anything more to say, they would have. They know how to find us if they think of anything. But I think we should move on. So yeah, Leela walks you guys out to the door. Uh, Jackson's kind of like following behind her. 
And then as she closes the door behind you guys, uh, you can kind of hear muffled voices behind the door, but they're too quiet to really hear unless you guys are like going to try to like eavesdrop. Yeah, what if I just like put my ear against the door and like listen? Okay, if you do that, I mean, there isn't really anything for you to roll. Like, you're just listening. Yeah, I don't know if there's a role for that. I think you just decide. Yeah, if you do it or don't. I think Jackson's just like, what are you doing? We're grounded. If dad finds out, he's going to kill us. Like, who knows what kind of things he can do? And she responds, she's like, look, this is our fault. We're the reason this happened. I mean, this happened because of us. And we have a responsibility to try to fix it. And he's just like, whatever. You're just not thinking clearly. You're just too obsessed with protecting Freya or whatever. It doesn't matter if they went missing. They're gone. They're done. Who knows how many people have gone missing over the years, over the decades. And she's just like, well, maybe it's time we find out the reason why and if it's connected to us. Because then we do need to stop it. And then you kind of just hear Jackson kind of being exasperated and then just kind of like walking off. I've never heard two teenagers taking being grounded so seriously. (laughs) (laughs) I think they're afraid of their dad is the thing. I think that's the impression I'm getting. Yeah, he's got weird vibes. Says Ziva, not Linda. I don't think Linda would describe it as weird vibes. (laughs) I, I... I heard Rill use the word vibe once, and I'm trying to inject into my vernacular. Am I using it right? <laughs> yeah, Linda would uh, would like walk into the book job and be like, hey, everybody, are we vibing today? <laughs> Rill would just be like, no, please don't. <laughs> yeah, uh, Rill, you hear Rill pipe up in your heads, and it's like, this place, these people, they, uh, they kind of got some weird vibes. All right, so as Linda and Zen head out, Zen will tell Linda what she overheard. Do lizards even have good hearing? Y- yes. Do they? They have good uh, vibrational sound. Now I have to Google this. <laughs> Can lizards hear good? Lizards don't have ear flaps. They can't hear as well as we do, but their hearing is better than that of snakes. Thanks, San Diego Zoo. That's a helpful rating scale. Okay, so on a scale of snake to human, how well does Zen hear? <laughs> Well, my first result that came up was, most lizards can hear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's a five on the scale. That's an average that you can hear. (laughs) Yes, I think... I think that they're uh, exactly halfway between snake and person, if I had to guess, which I do. Okay. (laughs) Zen doesn't have, like, ears, right? Like, in this form, does she have ears? Since she's kind of more people-shaped? That's a good question that I'm not prepared to ponder. Oh, I love the idea of Zen having ears and being like, what the fuck are these? Yeah, does what she have is hair? this? Does she have hair in this form? Uh, I think not. Okay. So she's just like a completely bald person with like scales and maybe ears? <laughs> yes. Okay. Intriguing. All right. Uh, where do you guys go next? <laughs> to the ear store. The no! ear store. <laughs> no, I think we should go back to our vampire friend. Yeah, I think we should either talk to her or Freya and figure out what the fuck was in that book. Okay, yeah, go for it. I don't think anything happens to you guys unless you try to go into the woods again. Do you? No. No. Okay. <laughs> that was that one was Linda that time. Absolutely not. Okay, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, and maybe we can see while we're back at Miriam's place if she has anything that can burn down a tree. 
I mean, it's just, like, fire. Like, you could just light a match in. I can't create fire with my hands. <laughs> well, why not? I mean, if you rub them fast <laughs> enough, you can. No. I think you need a stick. I don't think you could actually just make fire with your hands. <laughs> All right, hold on. Are you trying? No. I- <laughs> no, I'm Googling it. Can you make fire with your hands? Your NSA agent today is like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I googled it and a Cora came up and says, for instance, there are ways to make a flame shoot from your hand or finger and vanish in a little burst at the end. Or you can just open your hands and be on fire momentarily. Oh, trouble is you need an open flame already present like a candle to make it work. I thought this person on Quora was like, oh yeah, I shoot flames out of my hands all the time. And I was like, <laughs> I'm quitting the internet. I'm done. See, you're saying Quora like the question site, but it, it, it also sounds like Cora as in like, Avatar Korra. Korra. Yeah. Who can shoot fire from her hands. <laughs> Alas, we are not all so lucky. <laughs> so. So before we go back to the mini bell a bit, is there anywhere else that we should go while we're like out and about in the town? I think I will try and trust my gut again since last time it was leading me to the house, which we cannot get to. Okay. But if there's anything else out there, maybe it will occur to me. As long as it's not the woods, I'm good. Okay, so I rolled an 8, plus 3 is 11. Hey! Okay. Uh, nope, it's definitely telling you to go to the woods. No! <laughs> so kind of when you tell Linda this, I will say, because you tuned in to the tree itself. And so when you kind of think about it, it's like, well, what happened? What would happen if you try to tune in to the flowers or vines in the woods? Would you get something else? Oh, oh yeah, because there were those weird messed up flowers. Yeah. All right, so I think I'll suggest to Linda, like, look, we'll just go a little bit in. We won't go all the way. And if anything moves, we just fucking book it. <laughs> well, in order to re- read read its minds, you, you do need to find something that moves. <laughs> all right, but if it moves in a menacing way, we can fucking book it. <laughs> this flower is sauntering over to you in, in a very <laughs> angry way. First of all, Zen, you don't have to use that kind of language. Rill is listening, and they're very sensitive. Second of all... <laughs> Wait, what language did Zen use? I said fucking. Oh. <laughs> and Linda does not stand for saying fucking very much. I think Rill says fuck a lot, actually. <laughs> yes, but Rill's a little baby bird, and Linda has to not allow swears. <laughs> wow. Favoritism. <laughs> not favoritism. It's just that, like... Like, when Linda looks at Zen, Linda's like, Zen can take care of herself. She will absolutely punch everything. And when she looks at Rill, she's like, I need to take care of them. So, it's I just would be different. offended, except that's absolutely true. Like, Rill can't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Rill can hold their own, but Linda, like, feels that need to be more protective. Yeah, the difference is that Zen kills most things on purpose, whereas Rill kills most things on accident. It's yeah. true. Yeah, and that's about right. So anyway, so so Linda says, a second of all, if a single vine touches me, then I need you to buy me the largest margarita that we can legally buy in this town, and I will not take no for an answer. <laughs> that is an acceptable deal to me. Okay, well, just let's get this over with. Uh, so you guys head into the woods, and you already can feel kind of like that oppressive ambiance towards you. The woods know. Every living plant in this forest knows even if it may not be like special like the way the tree is or the flowers were or the vines were but they don't do anything yet do you guys keep going forward until you try to do wacky stuff or do you try to do it here 
I think we have to go till we see a flower or something. I don't think I can just do it on like a regular tree. It's gonna be like I'm a tree. <laughs> it so yeah. So you keep going. You don't like I said. You don't have to go very far because this forest is already very like oppressive feeling. Like they know you're here and they've maybe kind of been watching you this whole time. Ugh. You know, you walk maybe 30 feet or so, like not very far at all, and you do start seeing kind of those familiar flowers. The one that you touched last night and the one that you found on like your pajamas this morning. Uh, You actually probably even see like in the shadows, like kind of something moving very slowly, not coming towards you, but it, there's definitely something like waiting. This campaign is like Riverdale meets The Happening, except not stupid in every way possible. <laughs> Linda, I think if she can see that kind of like slow motion out of the corner of her eye, she's going to grab Zen and be like, I'm doing this. Please watch out for me. (laughs) Let's just get this over with. If anything happens, I'll just throw you over my shoulder and run out of here. I can work with that. So then I guess Linda's going to roll to tune into the flower. I rolled a nine plus two. So I rolled an 11. Fantastic. So you get three questions from the tune-in list. All right. So uh, what is it planning to do right now? Okay, once again, as you like tune into this flower, the flower's thoughts almost have like come at the forefront of your mind. But kind of like in the back of it, if you kind of like follow a metaphorical tunnel, you can feel that tumultuous ocean of emotions. So I'll give you a two for here because you guys are being very brave. So the flower itself, it has very simple thoughts. It doesn't have emotions. It is closer to what you would imagine a, a flower would quote unquote think. It's planning to watch you and see what you're doing. Uh, however, a little bit more further away, like tumultuous, opposite spectrum thoughts, that duality, you are familiar with that tree. One is trying to find a victim and the other is trying to save a victim. Huh. Hmm. Okay. So I guess who is it going to attack next? Thinking like, what kind of victim is it trying to find? If I can slightly twist that question. So you kind of draw a blank on one side of the tree. On the other side of the tree, it's more like the thoughts of the tree rather. It's thinking, how do I say this? It's looking for someone that the town wouldn't miss or that they wouldn't really care about. Like they could very easily explain it away. That's like the logical part of it. And then the underlying part of it is that it wants to kind of get rid of anyone that is in its way. It it seems like frustrated almost. Okay. So then where is the creature right now? Because I think the epicenter of this is the tree, but it might be somewhere else and the tree is just like an outgrowth of it. You kind of get like multiple pings. So you get the faint pinging of like the vines. Like you can sense all the vines and plants and stuff all around you right now and it can be kind of overwhelming because you are absolutely 110% like surrounded they're just watching you at the moment you get another ping deeper into the forest that's one of the more central stronger pings you get a ping up at the mayor's house where you presume the the peach tree is and you get another ping downtown downtown okay I think then I don't really want to go deeper into the woods to find what's down there unless we absolutely have to So I wonder if maybe we should go downtown and see what's happening. So what is your guys's like focus right now? I guess I could think of two ways. One is trying to figure out what the spell cast was. And then the other is trying to figure out what's like controlling this thing. Like where's like the center? Like if we kill the peach tree and there's more going on, it's not going to matter. 
So, like, I think Zen would kind of feel a little more inclined to go further into the forest, but she also doesn't really want to do that unless she knows she has a way to kill it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which right now she just has a couple of knives, so maybe not. But so her next priority after that is the spell book. So then I guess we should probably go back to the Midnight Velvet, figure out the spell book, get fire, and then from there we can try to push further into the woods if we need to. Alright, so you guys leave the forest. You kind of have some residual kind of like sense that the plants are following you, but as I said, they aren't malicious. They aren't trying to attack you. And that's kind of a very different sense than that underlying frustration slash anger of something that's trying to find someone to kill. Getting this like two-sided thing to the tree makes me wonder if it's the tree fighting itself or if there's something about the tree, like some other kind of creature is fighting with it or destroying it and they've become like intermingled. Yeah, to me, it kind of feels like something that is running on instinct and sort of that instinct or balance has been disrupted somehow. Yeah, this is why I want to find this spell. I really want to know, like... What was the intent of the spell, at least? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. That's a good plan. Nothing else happens. You guys go downtown. Uh, It has gotten a lot busier because, as I mentioned, this is the kind of the summer harvest festival and kind of like the big, big day is the summer solstice, which is Saturday. I am using real lifetime. This is an alternate universe where everything's exactly the same, except there's no COVID because that's easier on me as a person. And so there's tons of people, probably tourists and stuff like that, because this is, as I mentioned, a small town of 7,000, and this is much more crowded than you saw the streets were last night. Do you guys just go straight to the Midnight Velvet? Miriam's probably asleep, because it's still morning. (laughs) Yeah, I'm hoping we'll catch Freya, maybe, if Miriam's not there. Because, like, we know where the supply room is. Okay, so you guys head to the uh, Midnight Velvet, which, you know, as I mentioned, it is a bit a bit livelier. It's still pretty, like, chill and not super crowded. Everyone is coming to this town. They want to see cool peach summer harvest, colorful stuff. Um, and the Midnight Velvet is more like a goth, very classy establishment. It's a Halloween bar. Yeah, so you guys go in, and then you see kind of a scene at the counter. Oh no! So you see Freya and Tyler behind the bar, and as you see uh, a gentleman who you assume to be Jack Whittaker because of the way he looks, his blonde hair, he's wearing like a very nice suit and stuff like that, and you can't quite hear what they're saying because even though they have like very serious expressions on their face, um, they're kind of keeping it a very quiet discussion. Um, and Freya's kind of like hiding behind Tyler. I think now is a good time to get up there and be nosy about what's going on under the guise of being a news reporter again, which is Linda's <laughs> absolute favorite disguise. Okay, yeah, definitely. What do you guys, uh, what do you go up and do slash say? Linda's going to give Zen a little like, follow my lead to like, you know, make motions like putting the camera up and uh, she's just going to stride on up to the counter and be like, oh, Mayor, it's so good to see you. What a coincidence running into you here. My name is Linda Baumgartner, and I'm a reporter from uh, smalltownfestivals.blogspot.com. We've been hoping to talk to you about this wonderful little town here. Can, can we have a moment of your time? Maybe we can get you a drink from the bar. We can chat a little bit about, you know, all your all your peach secrets and favorite recipes and all the wonderful work you've done here. So when you walk up to them, they all look towards you. Tyler is kind of like got a very the serious look on his face, but it's, it sort of turns into like interest when you like come up. He kind of like quirks a brow at you. Uh, Freya's looking at you. She still looks kind of scared. And then Jack looks at you 
and his expression is just like ice cold that like melts into sort of a very calculated smile. He looks you up and down and he looks at Zen and he says, It's a pleasure to meet you, Miss Baumgartner. My name is Jack Whitaker, as I'm sure you know. And uh, who is your friend over here? This is my my friend Zen, our uh, our lovely camera person over at smalltownfestivals.blogspot.com. Don't mind her, she's a little quirky. You know how these artist types are, but oh boy, it would be uh, real hard to do reporting on these wonderful festivals without Zen's help. She's just holding the camera up in front of her face and, like, snapping pictures. He kind of looks between the two of you. You can kind of see there is some, like, calculating type thoughts in his head as he's trying to process this information. And he's just like, is this your first time in town? It isn't, let me tell you. We could have not have chosen a better time to be here. This is a beautiful town you've got. It's so historic. You must be so proud. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it is definitely wonderful to hear that you appreciate this town's beauty, which I, of course, could not have done without the help of all of its citizens and residents. You know, we're all very proud of our town here, and we all want to share how wonderful it is with uh, everyone. That is wonderful to hear. Small town pride. There's nothing like it. Now, I wanted to ask, uh, is that beautiful mansion up on the hill yours? You must be a prominent family in this town. My family's the one who founded Sweetgrass, and uh, we've put all of our effort into making it the best town it could be. It is our pride and joy. Uh, so, so Mayor, I, uh, I absolutely don't mean to keep you. I know you have so much mayoring to do without the festival. Uh, we've taken plenty of pictures, and of course now we have the mayor for our wonderful little article. I'll send you a link when it goes live on uh, smalltownfestivals.blogspot.com. Thank you so much for your positive press. I absolutely look forward to this article. Thank you so much, Miss Baumgartner. Miss uh, Zen, and he kind of like nods his head, and then he looks to the side at Tyler and Freya, who kind of look on guard still, and uh, his eyes sort of steal over before he looks away towards you guys, and his face is back to like that very calculated smile as he exits the tavern. Because you did that tune in, and one of the questions you asked is, Where is the creature right now? Uh huh. And it says you could get a plus one ongoing while acting on the answers. Obviously, you didn't use any kind of move, but kind of the way I read that is that, you know, you sort of retain that information. Um, I will say you kind of get that sense of malice from Mr. Whitaker here. Oh, that was my, I had a I had maybe a theory that he was like physically or psychologically tied to the tree somehow. Awesome. I mean, not awesome, but, but good to know. <laughs> And uh, Tyler kind of pipes up and he's like, God, fuck that guy. <laughs> Amazing timing, you two. What, what, you want a margarita and uh, what was it? Uh, a gin and tonic? Zen just waves a hand like she doesn't need anything right now. Linda will take you up on that martini, though. Or margarita, yes. One of those, please. Yes. And then he goes to, you know, making the drinks. And then Freya just kind of like, <sighs> like all the tension like leaves her body as the mayor leaves the premises so what was that about what was the mayor in here about he doesn't seem like a very genuine person and tyler's just like yeah that guy's a fucking dick man like he's just he's always had something out for the the midnight velvet and us because we're uh, spot upon his stupid pristine little town and he's such a dick then do you have any particular follow-up you want to do now that you're you're free from camera land what was what was the argument about 
Tyler kind of hesitates at that as if it's like not really his place to say and then Freya kind of glances at him and she's just like I had something to do with me. Oh what happened? She seems like so reluctant kind of like the whole thing like she's afraid of getting in trouble or something like that. Oh poor Freya. I I don't want to have to grill this kid some more but man I'm gonna have to grill this kid some more. You can always do telepathy. (laughs) Oh no I've done that a bunch too. She doesn't like that either. Or manipulate someone if you want to be maybe less obtrusive with it. (laughs) So I think, honestly, I probably would just be like, So, Freya, we had a really interesting conversation this morning. Uh, We went to go talk with Layla. Don't worry, she's she's fine. Uh, She didn't tell us anything about you that you didn't tell us ourselves. But I did hear from a little birdie who was, again, not your friend, that there was some kind of spellbook involved with the party the other night now listen i know i've asked you so much but i promise my lips are sealed was there some kind of spellbook at the party the other night she just like is kind of like cringing like when you said leela she her eyes like kind of widened but then when you mentioned the spellbook she was just like trying to like wave you to be quiet and she's like how how did you find out about that and I think Linda's going to lean forward and be like, we all have something a little weird about us, right? We've all got our little secrets. But listen, if you could just send me the picture you took of those pages or bring the book to my room so I can look at the pages, that would be amazing. You have no idea how much that would help. I can't get the book. I, I don't want to take it out of the room, but I, I can show you the pictures. Oh, please. That would be she would just be like, uh, Tyler, I'm gonna take a quick break. And Freya kind of gestures to you guys, and she'd probably just take you to down the stairs, where it's like near the back of the bar slash restaurant, just so you guys can have some privacy. And then she would take out her phone, and she would hand you the phone with a picture of the spellbook page in it. All right, so I think at this point, I'm gonna have to roll investigate a mystery and ask you what the fuck is going on in that spellbook, unless then you, like, are more attuned into spellbooks for some reason. Probably not. Okay. <laughs> um, yes, so are you just, like, reading the spellbook page? Yes, but I, like Linda, don't know anything about magic. So unless this is, like, a spell to fix the mayor from killing people, like, that is not helpful, so... Yeah, go ahead and roll uh, investigate a mystery. I will say that like not all these questions necessarily pertain, like it's not information you can necessarily glean from this page. Yeah, I'm gonna use the tome question. Okay, yeah, yeah, definitely. Go ahead and roll. Oh, help me out here, dice gods. I rolled an eight minus one, so a seven. Okay. Yeah, so on a seven to nine, I get to ask the keeper one general question. Based on how you are investigating, they will tell you honestly and with reasonable detail what you discover. The general question I want to ask is, what's the purpose of this spell? So kind of as you're like looking at this book, Freya would speak up and be like, um, so Lila told me that, that something was going to happen to Betsy and, and Mark, and she thinks her dad might have something to do with it. And so she asked me to find a spell or something for Miriam's study because she, she knows about us and me, I guess. At that, she kind of like looks away and and it seems kind of flustered, but she kind of pushes forward and she's like, and so I broke into Miriam's study and I kind of looked through all the different books and I tried to find anything that could protect Betsy and Mark. So I found a protection spell and I guess the town tree is definitely probably some kind of magic, right? Like it's it's lived for hundreds of years. And so I guess we used it or well, Leela used it 
as a spellcasting focus and um, casted a spell of protection on Betsy under the guise of silly, haha, like we're just stupid teenagers doing stupid quote-unquote magic stuff and, and it didn't it didn't go right, I guess. Did anything seem weird with Betsy and Mark when they left the party? I guess not super weird. I mean, I I just kind of took it as Betsy being tired or just kind of just thrown off by the whole thing. But it didn't seem like anything happened. Why would Betsy and Mark be targeted by the mayor? I honestly, I, I don't know. I, um, Leela m- mentioned something about if, if Mark went missing, then they could pin it on Betsy. And so beyond that, we don't, I don't really know the details. Um, Leela had just overheard her dad talking about it. I think that's probably all Freya can help with. Do you think? Yeah. Okay. Zen's kind of feeling like, uh, it would have been nice if Leela had just told us this stuff. <laughs> I think at that point, Linda's going to place a hand on Freya's shoulder and just say, you have no idea how much help this was. I know that you really went out on a limb to help us, but we will find your friends and we couldn't have done it without you. Thank you so much, Freya. Thank you for trying to find my friends. Zen is not feeling so nice. Zen feels like these teenagers are just kind of like fucking basically getting people killed by not being forthcoming enough. (laughs) She's just like, yeah, okay, like, if you think of anything else, actually tell us. <laughs> okay, so- sorry. <laughs> Linda's very sympathetic towards teenagers, because I feel like she is one of those people who, like, remembers how hard it was to be a teenager, and what it's like to, like, navigate social circles, and try and be cool, but not be too cool, still be approachable, and try not to get your friends in trouble, and so, so she kind of, she's kind of taken a shine to Freya, and also she feels bad that she keeps grilling her, so... <laughs> yeah, Zen was an adult at like the age of eight because lizards mature <laughs> faster. Um, but yeah, what do you guys do next? What we should probably do is have like a chat about our theories because I have a bunch of pieces I'm trying to pull together here personally. Do you want to first check the storage room and see if there's like fire, like literally just like a lighter or some matches? I think we do that after. What do you guys say? I guess like talk this out because Rill might be able to give some insight too since they are like overseeing. Okay. So I think they were trying to do a protection spell on these two people who went missing. I think the tree probably did not know how to perform that action. And so instead just removed them from danger in the only way it knew how. I think that's right. I don't think the tree is bad. And I definitely sensed something about Betsy when I tuned into it. So I think you're right. I think it it kind of absorbed them to keep them safe. It's probably deeper in the woods than I would like to go, but I think they're kind of safe. They're just gone right now. And then Rill would kind of peep up. Uh, But when you asked the tree about what the biggest threats were, that's when you saw Betsy, right? Hmm, I guess it was. But you also saw uh, Jack. So why? What What does it mean that it has these two dualities? The mayor was the biggest threat to these children. And so maybe if they've been taken or absorbed by the tree, that is sort of the dual motivation that you're sensing. I feel like the mayor's involved in some cult or magic type something. This is not my area of expertise, but... 
him wanting to take these teenagers and saying that no one would miss them if they went missing, I that doesn't feel right to me. But maybe if we remove the threat of the mayor, then the tree will let these children go. That's what I'm leaning towards. I think maybe the tree is not to blame for this so much as the mayor. The only question is how on earth do we get rid of the threat of the mayor during a festival in broad daylight? Oh, we don't have to do it in broad daylight. We could just wait until he heads home. Uh, you could just shoot him in the eye. That <laughs> has worked out for us as a strategy in the past. Thank you, Rill. Uh, yeah, no problem. So I guess at this point we should, like, batten down the hatches and wait till he's leaving the festival? And plan an assassination. Okay, so wait, like, are you gonna pick a fight with him or what? I think I could take him. I feel like you could take him too, but I feel like maybe we should wait till he's on the way home and try to waylay him on the road when he might be more alone. I will say when you guys met him, he also kind of had an overwhelming presence similar to the forest. (laughs) I feel like he's part of the tree or he's got tree spirits in him or something. Well, then we should light him on fire. You could. (laughs) That is always an option. There are worse ideas. I feel like one way or another is gonna probably gonna end up with us killing the mayor. I guess it maybe we could try to like go to the middle of the woods and like try and break some kids out of a tree, but I think you're probably right that getting rid of the mayor as a threat is going to be more effective than fighting a huge tree. But how are you gonna kill the mayor without anyone like won't there be like a big power vacuum or so, like people are gonna wonder right it's like a big festival and well we kill the mayor and then you pull us out and we don't have to worry about it anymore uh, that seems immoral i don't feel great about that but i'm not sure i have a better answer is there is there something else we we should think about real or or zen uh Zen is, like, all pumped up to... Assassinate assassinate a political leader? (laughs) Yes. Uh, I mean, the only thing I could think of is either the forest or the tree in the backyard. Like, those are kind of, like, the big clues that we have so far, right? Yes, but I'm not sure what to do with them. Burn them down? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's an option. I mean, vandalism is less of a crime than, uh, We tie the mare to the peach tree and no, burn them both at the same time. That, the... <laughs> Kill two trees with one flame. Uh, that's not how the saying goes. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm also kind of... Where do you think those kids are? I think they're probably in the middle of the woods. I don't know how I feel about that. I really don't want you guys to go into the woods either, but this sucks. Can I just bring you home and they can just deal with this on their own? I don't think we can do that. We have to do something. How about we just wake up Miriam? She does weird shit for a living, right? That's true. Miriam would know. Yeah, I guess that's true. I think you're right, Zen. I think we're gonna have to wake up Miriam. Okay, so you guys leave the bar. So you kind of have to like go around the block to the other side to go to the the house. And as you exit the bar, you know, once again, lots of people. You see Jack is like talking to people and just kind of like being the face of the town, very friendly and stuff like that. But he kind of out of the corner of his eyes sees you guys and he would excuse himself from whoever he's talking to and he would walk 
towards you guys and greet you and just be like, well, hello there, Miss Baumgartner, Miss Zen. Oh, Mayor, how are you? About the same as I was 10 minutes ago, but thank you for asking. You know, our chat did get cut off rather quickly. I kind of wanted to get to know y'all a little bit better. That sounds lovely, but I was wondering if maybe we could schedule for a little bit later. We uh, we have to go and check all our, our rolls of film and uh, make sure that we're happy with the, the proofs and things uh, so we can hit our deadline. But maybe in, uh, I don't know, like an hour or so, we'd love to have a personal tour. Oh, unfortunately, my schedule is filled up and this is the only free time I have today. Uh, I just wanted to ask a couple questions, get to know y'all. I make it a purpose to, uh, a point rather, to get to know all the journalists that come into town. You know, can't have them painting sweetgrass in a negative light. Uh, how long have you been in the journalism field, Miss Baumgartner? Oh, well. You know, this isn't how interviews are supposed to work. I mean, you could ask me questions, I suppose, but you kind of already did. I just wanted to get to know you all a little bit better. I feel like this is kind of a threat. This this is some threatening energy. <laughs> yeah, but I'm uh, I'm not sure that we can say no. I feel like uh, we have to just kind of go along with it, and luckily we both have knives. Yes. Yeah. He has very threatening, very overwhelming energy. Oh, boy. So I think at this point, Linda now suddenly realizes she has to make up a backstory that she wasn't necessarily prepared to make up. So I guess this would be a manipulate someone, right? Yes, and the whole time he just looks like a very smug asshole. Ugh, I hate him. Me personally, <laughs> So I'm going to roll my manipulate someone, and then I'm going to tell you my really great story about my journalism background. Okay, go for it. I rolled a 9 plus 2. I rolled an 11. Linda has a very disarming energy, and I'm not sure he, like, necessarily is at ease, but since I rolled an 11, I'm guessing Linda's disarming energy is working in the sense of she's not coming off as, like, a threatening lying weirdo. Well, actually, I went to school to get an English degree. I started writing for my school paper, the, um, the Lion Boys Go Lions, and, uh, when I was writing for them, I realized, oh, I really have a knack for this, and so I just started, you know, working on this column and that column, and I really realized I loved covering those festivals and uh, that's when I decided to start uh, smalltownfestivals.blogspot.com which is the number one small town festival blog in the world uh, and let me tell you those advertisers love these in-person features let me tell you journalism it always has a soft spot in my heart I love getting on the street and talking to the average folk and he kind of like nods and smiles and he's like oh that is a wonderful story Miss Baumgartner I also have a passion for people and getting to know people, but there is no smalltownfestivals.blogspot.com and I don't quite trust anyone who comes into town out of nowhere and involves themselves with Miss Miriam. I just want you to know that I am keeping an eye on you. And he would kind of straighten up and then smile and then walk off. You kind of see, just like, you know, if you just look around, there's a lot of, like you mentioned, lots of flowers, lots of stalls. Some of those flowers might look a little, um, familiar. No, thank you. So when he said he was watching us, I think he means with those. Oh no, oh no, I hate it. (laughs) Okay, so I don't think that's going to change our plan. We're not hopefully going to be here long enough to get in serious business trouble. So we're going to have to set somebody or something on fire one way or another. So I think we're going to keep going to wake Miriam up, though. Linda is now admittedly kind of annoyed. How did he even have time to Google whether there is a smalltownfestivals.blogspot.com? They have smartphones. (laughs) I guess so, but he's a busy man. 
You should have been like, oh, did I say smalltownfestivals.blogspot.com? I meant smalltownfestivals.blogspot.org. Oh, I yeah, should have said that. He he would have just kept you there. He's like, okay, well, let me let me let me look yeah, this up. Yeah, he me- absolutely <laughs> would have. Okay, so let's go wake Miriam up. I'm gonna let Zen handle this one because uh, Linda's slightly, mildly afraid of Miriam. Not like ah, but like you know, this just isn't her relational expertise here. Uh, yeah, you make your way over to the foster home, Miriam's Miriam's house. Next time on the Eternity Archives. So, Miriam, you know this town better than anyone. What do we do? It seems that he still plans to continue with whatever dastardly plan he has. So what if we just take out the peach tree? And of course we need sneaky clothes so Linda gets pumped about the makeover montage again. You can't really gauge how much magical energy maybe has been instilled in their bloodline just from being near this magical tree this whole time. Frankly, our plan is to get up to the manor and fight our way back to that tree and burn it down. It's a good thing you're kind of already on the way, but you do get an overwhelming sense of something pulling you towards the mayor's house. Actual play comedy podcasts are awesome. We can all agree on this. What about if they're in outer space? What if the cast don't take themselves too seriously? If you think yes, then you will love Experience Points. We're an all-queer cast playing Starfinder and trying to survive whatever bombshells our GM Kenny can dream up for us. We're an impulsive bunch who rush into things, which has landed us in some surprising situations. Have you ever almost died in a spaceship's on a malfunction? <laughs> we have. Come join the adventure with the crew of the GD Hoopty and their surly computer AI, A-Hole, as we traverse the galaxy, leaving a trail of pink glitter in our wake. Listen to Experience Points today wherever you find fine podcasts. Then come say hi to us on Twitter at EQ Points, or tune in for our live streams every other Saturday at twitch.tv slash experiencepoints, or you can now find us on YouTube. We'll be sure to unroll the pink carpet and have a cup of space chamomile ready for you. The Eternity Archives is hosted, produced, and edited by Dorka, Kite, and Ziva. Find us on Twitter at, at @thearchivespod or online at theeternityarchives.com. Our intro music is Paint the Sky by Hans Adam, and sound effects are obtained from zapsplat.com. Check out our show notes for more information and some helpful Monster of the Week resources. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to the Eternity Archives on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. Consider supporting us by telling your friends about us, or leave us a tip at our Ko-fi page, ko-fi.com slash the Eternity Archives. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network.